Okay, am I on? Yes, great. Praise the Lord. The Lord is in this place. Thanks be to God. And I am so happy to be here. Father, thank you so much for the, the privilege it is to, to be here in this church um, and with your brother clergy and with the brothers and sisters who make up this fellowship. It is just such an honor to, to, to be here. I, I have a confession to make. I'm a South Carolina boy. I've never been to California before. <laughs> so my eyes feel like they're this big right now, and I'm just soaking it in. Mainly I'm enjoying this Kenya-like weather. This is lovely. Um, so I'm very, very happy to be here. Let me just get some preliminaries out of the way first. I, I, I don't think you will know if you want to, but I have to send it around because there are a lot of you here today. Um, I send out a, a prayer letter uh, every month or every two months by email. And if you would like to receive that prayer letter, then I have a sign-up sheet. And I'll just send it around so it works through here. If you don't want to receive it, that's okay. I am assuming that you are helping a number of people here uh, as missionaries from this church. And I'm, 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 I'm astonished to, to have been invited to, to join them because I, I don't feel like I'm worthy to be in their number. Um, but you have seen and heard many missionaries in the past. We'll get this going here as well. And on their behalf, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for helping the gospel to go forward in places like Albania or Guatemala or Mexico or Kenya or in a number of other places. Without you, without your prayers, nothing would happen. Nothing. And so it's because of you. So I don't want you to think that you're a nobody or that what you do or your prayer or whatever is, is of no account. It's of huge account in the kingdom of God. And not just you grown-ups, you young people as well, and you children as well. You make a difference in God's kingdom, and for that I'm grateful. As Father said, my name is Bill Black. I'm called many things. Uh, in, in, um, in Kenya, amongst the ethnic group that I've been working with, they have difficulty saying um, L's and R's. So my name comes out as Beer Brack. So just to avoid further embarrassment, I just went by Joseph, and it happens to be my, my first name, my given name, and my, um, my baptism name as well. So uh, you, you may be forgiven um, your confusion if you wonder who is Bill up here. Um, I am an OCMC missionary. I am the only OCMC missionary in Kenya. I am the only OCMC missionary on the continent of Africa. Here he is. You see him right here. That being said, the harvest is ripe and bursting. And where are the workers? I can't do it by myself. Where are the Orthodox faithful who are willing to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send more workers into the field? Could you do that? I, there, there are probably tens, hundreds, thousands, perhaps millions of people who would be grateful for your prayer. Um, God willing, in May, I'll return to Nairobi. I've spent the past two years in the 
uh, western part of the country, a city called uh, Kisumu. It's the third largest city in Kenya. It had no orthodox parish. For some reason, the way people have done church planning in, in, in Kenya for Orthodox churches is just the opposite of the way the Apostle Paul did. The Apostle Paul went to all the major cities, planted parishes. In, our, in Kenya, you go to the most remote part of the country, and there you start an Orthodox parish. By the way, one of the good things that we can celebrate is there are more than 300 parishes in Kenya. It is the largest of the... Um, Orthodox Archdiocese on the continent. God has been doing some wonderful, wonderful thing, and I just want to make sure that, that we celebrate that, that I celebrate it for you here. Um, but in the major cities, uh, Nairobi excepting, but in Kisumu, Mombasa on the coast, no Orthodox parishes whatsoever. So with the blessing of, of Bishop Athanasius of blessed memory, um, we started a parish in, in, in Kisumu. And for the past 18, more than 18 months, almost 20 months, it's met in my living room. And challenges, of course, come up in any parish that you start. I'm sure some of you know that quite well. And just this past week, and I would elicit your prayers because I don't know what's going on, but our priest has, has abandoned the parish and run back to Nairobi and I don't know what's going on. So pray that God would preserve his people and save his people in this city that is without an Orthodox witness. Save a small group of 20, 25 people. So I'm also going to be teaching, as Father mentioned, at the, the, the um, Theological Seminary, the, the, sem the Orthodox Seminary in Nairobi. I've taught there before, before I went to Kisumu and his his Eminence Makarios, the Archbishop of Nairobi, has welcomed me to come back. So I'll be living there on the seminary grounds and joining his Eminence and joining several other faculty members in, in teaching at this school. We have 45 students, which is saying something, I think. There is tremendous potential, not just for Kenya, but for the whole continent of Africa. And we struggle because the seminary... Let's just say we have issues, and we're not meeting the potential. And you know, as well as I do, the source of those struggles and the source of that. The devil does not want a successful seminary, just like he does not want a successful parish, just like he does not want a successful priest, just like he does not want a successful bishop or archbishop. And so, whereas I tend too often to get frustrated with people, flesh and blood, we really should aim our frustration at the enemy, the devil, who is the one who is trying to tear everything down, and too often is too successful. I'll also be teaching at St. Paul's University, uh, which is the oldest theological college in Kenya. It was started 130 years ago by the Anglican Church to teach freed slaves, Christian um, Christian principles, to train them for ministry. It was located uh, on the coast in Mombasa. And it eventually moved to the highlands because that's where most of the students are. It is the largest of the Christian universities in Kenya. And I, um, as an Orthodox teacher, Christian, am teaching systematic theology and other theology courses at the bachelor's level, the master's level, and I supervise three PhD theses right now.
So we have much to be excited about, much to be pleased with. I, and I was trying to think, well, do I talk to you about programs? Do I talk to you about um, things I saw? But I, I, the, the thought came to mind even as I was just sitting here. Let me just share with you a couple of my friends so that you can, you can hear something of some real people. There, there's, there's one friend I want to mention. His name is Father John. He's, he's an Archimandrite. When I was first drawn into orthodoxy, I've only been an Orthodox Christian since 2011. And we had moved to Nairobi from Addis Ababa, where I was a missionary, a Protestant missionary for, for 22 years. I neglected to mission, mention I was a, a, a Presbyterian minister for 22 years. We were in Addis for eight years. I, I misspoke. And we moved to Nairobi. When I got to Nairobi, I was no longer having pastoral duties, so I was free to go to an Orthodox parish for the very first time in my life. And so I came to an Orthodox parish, and, and Father John was there, and he must have seen confusion written all over my face because the, the service had not gone five minutes before he appeared from, I know now, behind the altar. It, he just seemed to appear at the time. And he had a couple of service books with me and, and showed me how to follow the service. And I, I, I had, again, had only been to a handful of services before, and this was in Kiswahili and English, and so that was the challenge of having two service books right there. But that's just who Father John is. I have never seen um, someone with a more wonderful gift of helps. He loves to help people. And he refuses to take any credit for it. He's just a wonderful guy. Or let me talk about Wangechi. Wangechi is uh, a woman. She's uh, in her 40s. I have never seen in Kenya someone with such a passion for Christ. And every time I have met with her, usually over coffee at a restaurant called Java House, which also doubles as my office there, Wangechi and I will engage in these deep conversations about, about something about, about who Christ is, what he's doing in our lives, how do we get to know him better. And, you know, it just thrills my heart to have someone in Kenya engaging me with that. Or I could talk about Cyril Otieno. I've gotten to know Cyril the past couple of years in, 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 in um, Kisumu. Cyril is an engineering student. He's finished his work, but he can't graduate because he can't clear his bill with the university. And without the piece of paper with the university stamp on it, he can't get a job. And so he's caught in this Catch-22, he, he can't make money because he can't get a job, and so he can't pay the, the bill. And, and yet, he is the most faithful person in our parish in Kisumu. He is always there. And he's thinking about becoming a monk, of all things. And so Cyril and I will sit and talk about being a monk on my sofa as we drink tea and eat biscuits um, and, and he will talk about wanting to, to, to grow in Christ, and I have a lot of books because that's my life, and so he borrows books, and he reads them, and he discusses them with me. It's, it's wonderful, it's delightful. So those are just a few people that I, that, that, that I interact with there. Um, I won't mention the street children in Kisumu, the ones who are addicted to glue, the ones that I try to redirect to my friend Chris, who runs a, a ministry for street kids. He feeds them. He tries to sort out their family issues that threw them out on the street. 
But you know, these kids, even the ones that have a glue bottle stuck up their nose, they need, they need Christ as well. They need love as well. And it's a small victory, I know, but it was a victory. They used to just shout out Mzungu, Mzungu, which is the word for white man, white man, when I come by. Many of them heard me preach in the center of town while we would go on Saturday mornings and, and, and bring the street guys. And, and boys from 6 to 25 would come. And we would have a small service there, and I would usually be the designated preacher because I attracted a crowd because nobody else looked like me. So it's a small victory now to go down the street and instead of here, mzungu, mzungu, Dr. Black, Dr. Black. And of course, they always ask for money because they say they're hungry, but I know they can go to Chris's ministry and get something to eat. What they're really looking for is money for glue. So we always have this conversation there. But this is, this is what being a missionary has been, been, been like to me. Those are some of the good things, but we have challenges. We have significant challenges. Kenya is one of the most corrupt countries on the planet, and that is saying something. And it touches every level of life, from the government to the, uh, the police force, law enforcement, judiciary, to business, to, I mean, everything is touched by corruption. And the, the sad thing is, corruption per, is pervasive in all of the churches as well. And it's pervasive in the Orthodox Church as well. It just, I mean, corruption, is, it, it, it corrupts. And when you don't think you can get what you need without paying a bribe, what are you going to do? I've sat in the police office while they thought they had a, uh, some sort of case against me, usually a traffic infraction, and they're sitting there waiting for me to pay a bribe, and I've refused to pay a bribe, so they don't know what to do, because usually people just pray, pay, pay the bribe. Um, so it, it's, it's pervasive, and it, it's heartbreaking when you are amongst a church family for which this is the norm. How can you be the light of Christ when you're just as dark as everybody else? And that's one of our, our terrible, terrible problems in, in, in the Orthodox Church. Another terrible problem is, even though we have a seminary, how shall I say this charitably? We need, our clergy need another level of education, because what they have is not necessarily doing it. Um, I'm hoping to somehow be able to, to help our church take that next step. But it's really, really difficult. Um, His Grace Athanasius and I tried to start a school in Western Kenya. It failed. Do you know what, want to know why it failed? When we tried to set up test classes to see if it was going to fly, we were told that we don't want to come to the school. We, well, we do want to come to the school, but we want you to pay our fees. We want to come to your school, but you, we want you to pay our transportation money. We want to come to your school, but you need to pay uh, our accommodation money. In other words, they didn't want to come to our school unless we paid them to come to our school. Which brings up the whole issue of dependency. 
And I'm going to go into detail about that at, at St. Barbara Monastery uh, this afternoon. And so I'm not going to touch on this much at all, except to say that it is killing the church in Western Kenya, absolutely gutting it. And if this continues much longer, there won't be a church. And God forbid we go through a hard time of persecution. Because if we do, if people are actually faced with the possibility of suffering for being a Christian, they'll run. They'll run. That's just where we are. I was telling my mother-in-law, I'm sorry, my stepmother and my father over dinner about a week and a half ago, I was telling them all my tales of woe, uh, because it, it has been a hard term. And, and so, and I was really working myself up, as I sometimes can, and so my stepmother stops me and says, so why are you going back? And I, I, I wasn't ready for that question. I was sort of stunned, and I said, well, that is a good question. Why am I going back? And I came up with two reasons, and they have stood the test of time, at least for the past two weeks. <laughs> and the first reason is simply, you don't do this kind of thing unless you're called. It's the same thing with going into the clergy. You don't do it unless God is calling you, because it's hard as hell. Because hell gets involved with it, too. So, if you're called, then you can begin to take the steps that will get you to the place where God is calling you. And that's, that's been the case in my life. I'm sure there are other people here who can testify to that. And when you're called by God, and you, in faith, take those steps, what I have found is that God opens every door. Even those doors that seemed impossible due to uh, outrageous finances or circumstances. But every door along the way to the point where I suddenly found myself there in Ethiopia as a missionary or in Nairobi as a missionary. If you're called, God will get you to where he is calling you because it's his call and it's his ministry. It's his glory. It's his purpose. So... For me, and also for you, because if you're a Christian, you're also called. Maybe not to be a missionary. Maybe to be an evangelist. Maybe to be a helper. Maybe to, to serve here with the church. Maybe to, who knows? There, there are as many different callings that God has as people who are living here. And the key thing to do is to ask, Lord, what do you want me to be? What do you want me to do? I'm yours. Take me. Use me. Make me your blessing. Wherever it is you call me to be. So that's the first thing. The second thing, and let me just echo the, uh, the Apostle Paul here. Paul says, for Christ's love compels us. Because we're convinced that one died for all. Therefore all died. And all died that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. This is actually the key. Paul says Christ's love is compelling him. Christ's love wants to embrace you. 
the, it's, it's the experience of Christ's love that is the engine of the Christian life. It's the experience of Christ's love that's the engine of Christian ministry. It's the experience of Christ's love that's the engine of missions. They're all the same. The Christian life, ministry, missions, it's all the same. And the thing that's in common to all of that, to all of us, is the experience of the love of Christ. Because when you have tasted the love of Christ, to use a Eucharistic metaphor, when you have heard the love of Christ, when you have been enveloped by the love of Christ, your life can't stay the same. And let me just say, the good news of the gospel is that he loves you. I've been cowering in the back there both last night and tonight because this is Judgment Sunday. And we, we pull no punches as the Orthodox Church. We, we, we tell it like it is. And if, if somebody is not shaking in their chair right now, you have, we need to um, up the volume in our ears a little bit. Because this is real stuff. But this... It's, 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 we, we hear this so that then we can hear the love of Christ. Because Jesus came for sinners like me. Jesus came for sinners like you. He came to save you from the mess that you have made, that you have made, that I have made of my life. And he brings us, carries us, takes us by the hand, step by step, through what, when we look back as we go along, is salvation. On the way to salvation, and, you know, we look back and we see that the, st- the process started with Jesus, we, we're in the midst of the process with Jesus, and we look at the end of the process and there is Jesus again. That's where we've come from, that's where we're going. Paul says, I'm compelled by the love of Christ. And because of that love, I no longer live for myself, but for him. And that is the difference between a Christian and someone who isn't a Christian. They're no longer living for themselves, but for him. You know, I don't, I, I, I don't know how to say this, and I'm, I'm praying and I'm hoping that God gives me to do it, but to help my brothers and sisters in Kenya to, to understand this as well, that, that when we don't know the love of Jesus, we don't live for him. But when we do know the love of Jesus, we live for him. So how do we communicate the love of Jesus in a way that we are able to respond? And if we're waiting for Jesus to break through the the ceiling with his love, that's not going to happen. Very rarely will he speak through an icon. I have stories about that. Do you know how Jesus speaks to somebody? Do you know how Jesus shares his love with somebody? He uses you. God uses means in order to communicate his love. And the means that he chooses, that he prefers, is you and you. You are the way your neighbor, your family member, someone in Kenya, someone in China, is going to hear about Jesus. That's just the way it's always been. So we've talked about the good thing is going on in Kenya. We've talked about some of the challenges. I've spared you. My, my, I promised my OCMC minders that I would not be dark and snarky. And we talked about being called. And we talked about experiencing the love of Christ. 
let me just end by asking you a couple of questions. What compels you this morning? What drives you to get up and to go to work or to school? What motivates you when you buy what you buy and you go where you go? What is controlling your life right now? I've got a challenge for you. Pray this prayer. It was a prayer that I was challenged to pray back when I was in university. God, open my eyes that I may see the world as you see it. God, break my heart with the things that break your heart. And then pray, God, use me for your glory and for the sake of your love. Um, I, I speak from experience. These are deadly, dangerous things to pray. And the reason they are deadly, dangerous things to pray is that God loves to answer prayers like that. But, you know, don't, don't go that way unless you're serious. Unless you're serious that you want to experience the love of God. Unless you're serious that you want to hear the call of God. Unless you're serious that you want to see the world the way God sees it. Because He'll show it to you and He'll break your heart. And your life will never be the same for good. For good. All those things that held me back that I was afraid of losing, I understand what Paul says right now when he says, I count them as, as, as a dunghill, as rubbish, in comparison with the, the glory of knowing Christ Jesus, my Savior. And that's my prayer for you. Yes, I'm a missionary. Yes, I'm supposed to be asking for support and for prayer support, financial support. Yes, I'm looking for people to come alongside me. But really, what I would prefer is that you know Jesus in your life. Because that will be the source and the fountain of your healing. That will be the source and the fountain of the reconciliation that needs to occur. That will be the source of, of all of the good that God created you to be and to know. And he wants to do it in you, and he wants to do it through you, and he wants to make you and this parish. I know you're a blessing already because you've blessed me, but even more of a blessing. So I think I could ramble on a long time, but I've said what I wanted to say. Father?